0: I want to welcome all those that are listening or watching uh, to our Sabbath service here in our chapel of our staff and families. Dr. Hansen himself is ministering in, in the state of Kansas, in the city of Garnet, Kansas, and so I will be filling in for him at this time. I've been with Dr. Hansen. I'm E.J. Buckhart. Some people call me Reverend Doctor, but basically I'm E.J., a son of the Lord, and the message has been laid in my heart for a long time. Well, I'm just going to make two messages out of this. But because I only have one time to speak, I'm going to combine it into one. Anyway, the title is If Then. It's a condition. A conditional is based on choices. We hear the word choice thrown around in this world all the time. But choice is a God word. We choose if we're going to serve the Lord or not. We choose to do right or to do do wrong. We choose to do good or to do evil. That is our choice. And we will pay the consequences. But the God's promises says that if we do it correctly according to Him, then these promises will be true. And just as a side note, there are 8,810 promises in the Bible, 7,487 promises to the Lord for mankind. That means to you and I. That's a lot of promises. But once again, if, then. Conditional. The study of biblical and world history reveals how history repeats itself. I have to admit, in my 20 years of higher education, I I never liked history. Matter of fact, I did not do well in history. Matter of fact, I failed history in the seminary. But thanks to Dr. Anderson, I played handball with him. He gave me a D. Bless you, man. Another man at the seminary that I had was Ron Fredheim. He was an Old Testament professor. And matter of fact, four years ahead of me, he was at the same church as a student pastor that I served in San Diego, California. I went back with my last year of seminary training, and I had Ron for my Old Testament teacher. Man, he made that Old Testament come alive like you couldn't believe. I went back, got my Bible out started reading it and says, I don't get any of that. (laughs) But you understand, he was, he understood the Hebrew language. He understood the culture at the time that the Bible was written. He understood how the people thought and how they lived. Then he combined all that together and it comes alive. Now we can have the Holy Spirit do the same thing for us when we study the Word. The Bible is a good history lesson. For the church and for the world's culture. God's chosen people of Israel had to learn it over and over. We are God's people and we need to learn from history as well. We are doing the same things in the Bible warns us not to do. We are close in America to, if not, then I will. Let's take a look at Second Chronicles chapter 6 and 7. I call it the if-then chapters. Now, I don't think I'm going to be able to read the whole thing because of time constraints. This is a going on television and other sources, so we have 28 minutes and 20 seconds. Interesting, when I was at seminary, we had to make our sermons, 20 minutes. So that you can't go to church service over an hour. You've got to get in there, get out, do the worship, get in, get the people out so they can go do their worldly thing. That's another story. Anyway, after looking at these chapters, I will apply it to what I think is happening in America. We are to stand on those promises of God. His promises are true, they're reliable, but they are conditional, if, then. Most Christians are aware of Second Chronicles 7.14. But let's take a look at the passage and get back to Solomon's prayer at the dedicated temple in chapter 6. It was a time of great blessing and prosperity. We in America have been blessed. We've had prosperity slowly going away. But prosperity tends to lead to a fall. And interesting, in corporations, if a family corporations, the grandfather starts a company. Then his son takes over. Does extremely well, does better. And then the next son takes over. Then the grand, great-grandson comes along and lives on the blessings and hard work of their people and the company goes downwards, and somebody has to come in and buy it out to save it. It's a normal thing that happens. Matter of fact, I'm gonna read an article, and I'm not sure where it came from or if it's true, but I think the message is here. Camels are on the horizon. The founder of Dubai was asked about the future of the country, and he replied, my grandfather rode a camel. My father rode a camel. I ride a Mercedes. My son rides a land rover, and my grandson is going to land, or ride a land rover. But my great-grandson is going to have to ride a camel again. Why is that, they asked him. He replied, hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create difficult times. Many will not understand it, but you have to raise warriors and not parasites. The greatest generation in America consisted in years ago of 18-year-old kids storming the beaches of Normandy. Now, two two generations later, some 18-year-old kids want to hide in safe rooms when they hear words that hurt their feelings. They also want to free stuff from the government because they think they're entitled to it. Yes, the camels are then rising for sure. Something to ponder. In chapter 6 of Second Chronicles, seven times the word if appears. And I have them all marked and underlined, but I'm not going to take time to read them here. But it's 22, verse 22, 24, 28, 34, 36, and 38. And I pray, Lord, that you'll take time to read the contents of 6 and 7. The word then. Repeats seven times also. It's interesting, if seven times, then seven times. And that's 23, 25, 27, 30, 33, 35, and 39. And then buried within this is the word forgive. That's named five times. 21, 25, 27, 30, and 39. Now remember in chapter 6, this is Solomon's prayer to the Lord at the dedication. Solomon's prayer, which has all these ifs, ands, then, and forgive. He was one of the wisest men in the world, according to the Bible. It was his prayer, then, in chapter 12, where the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. And let me look at that one. It said in verse 12, 12, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. This is after he had prayed that prayer, with all the ifs and the thens. So he appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, Solomon, and have have chosen this place to myself as a place in a house of sacrifice. Then the Lord goes on to say, If I shut up the heavens, there will be no rain. If my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. The point I'm trying to make here, our prayers, I think, are very important, how we pray. Solomon was a very wise man, and he prayed exactly what God wanted him to pray. And God responded to him at night and said, Solomon, yes, your prayer was correct, and this is, I'll agree with it. And once again, I want to say, our prayers are heard by the Lord, believe it or not. Some of us think, Lord, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, and nothing's happening. But yes, the Lord hears our prayers. And if they are lined up with his scripture and with his word, they will be answered. There is a condition, and that's one of the point of this, if then, we need to know as Christians that we are living in a conditional state. Just because God promises something to us does not necessarily mean it'll happen. If God prophesies to a prophet of certain things, does not necessarily mean it'll happen unless my people that's the first thing, my people. The second one is in the, in the prayer, God said to Solomon, and as for thee, if thou wilt walk. So in other words, you got the leadership and you got the people. They have to work together in unity. Remember last week I spoke on unity, the importance of unity. There's four things, according to the Psalm, or 2 Chronicles 7.14, that we need to do. We must humble, humble ourselves. We live in a condition where we're selfish individuals, we're stubborn individuals, and not too many of us are totally humble. We may think we're humble, we try to be humble, but I even know in my life I got a little stubbornness. If you don't believe it, just ask my wife. Oh, ask my Dr. Hansen, my pastor. He knows what it's all about. But that's a human part of our body. But we can overcome that through the power of the Holy Spirit. I think our church has forgotten the value of the power Of the Holy Spirit. We tend to think on this brain up here, my education and theology or whatever the case may be, and we can use that to determine what God wants us to do. And many times that will lead us to failure. We need to have the gift and the powers of the Holy Spirit operating within us. Then we can do as Moses did. We can do as John the Baptist did. We can do as David did and even as Solomon. But one thing I want to point out about Solomon, great man of God, right? Did wonderful things. Prayed the prayers that God wanted him to pray. But if we go back to Kings, 1 Kings 11, 1 Kings 11, starting with verse 1 through 14. But King, but, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh and the women of different tribes. And of the nations concerning the Lord said to the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall you co- let them come into you, for surely they will turn your hearts away from God. And Solomon claved unto that love. He had 700 wives. Don't ask me how he did that. And princes, 300 concubines. I mean, I have a hard time just taking being faithful to one wife and taking care of her. And it came, but his wives turned his heart away from them. I really honestly believe one wife will not necessarily turn your heart away, but many of them will. That's my own opinion. And then it came to pass when Solomon was old and that his wives turned his heart away to other gods and his heart was not perfect with the Lord, his God, as was the heart of David his father." Solomon after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonites, and the abomination of the Amorites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 9, and the Lord was angry with Solomon, and he said in verse 11, Surely I'll rend thy kingdom from thee and give it to thy servant. I'll take it from you and give it to your servant. And verse 14 says, And the Lord stirred up an adversary, another nation, against Solomon. And again in verse 23 he stirred up another country against there in other words when you let your heart turn away from god you are headed in the wrong direction dr Hansen, i've been with him for about 24 years and many of us in here have been has always preached guard your heart guard your heart solomon had a great heart for the lord his father david had a great heart for the lord but if we let down our guard of that heart, the enemy can come in, and believe me, he will try to come in. The more you love the Lord, I will tend to say, the more you're gonna be attacked by the enemy. He does not like what we're talking about. He does not like the Lord who we serve. He's out there like a roaring lion, and don't forget that. So guard your heart, because Satan will try to come and destroy your faith. He may not be able to destroy your faith, but he may be able to lead you into sin, which is disobedience to the Lord. And being disobedient to the Lord leads to a lot of difficulties. This is a warning to America, I think, verse 714, and to the church. Disobedience. I'm going to stray a little bit from my notes. Disobedience. In our culture today, one of the things I see which is definitely disobedience to the God, is how we dress. God created Adam and Eve. They were naked. Nothing wrong with nakedness. But when they sinned, what did they do? Adam and Eve covered themselves up. And then God created, sacrificed the lamb or goat, whatever the case may be, and covered them. The reason I bring this up, now I believe with all that we're seeing in our culture, advertisements, We see ladies, and even now men, very, very nude. We see parades now with men riding bicycles and motorcycles in a total nude. That is disobedience to God. That is disobedience to God. We have to be careful not to be disobedient to God. I mean, I stopped to think about nakedness in Adam and Eve. They were beautiful. They were beautiful. I think in a marriage relationship, seeing husbands and wives, no problem, that's beauty. It's not disobedience. But once it leaves that room, it becomes disobedience. Jesus said, suffer the little children, come on to me. And in our culture today, what are we seeing? We're changing boys and the girls and girls and boys. And that's not even normally natural, it's not even scientific, it's not even biological. But we're doing it. In our society god has to be i got a feeling he's going from crying to anger yes how long will it be before he says hey listen people if my people will and if my leaders will turn from their wicked ways then i will save your nation if not i'm going to do like it did to solomon i'll bring adversaries against you until you learn and i've heard many pastors and prophets say that we are going to have a great awakening in America, but it's not going to come until after hard persecution. Now, that's just a hard message to speak. It's a hard message to say, but it may be true unless we change our ways, because that's what the Bible says. What is one of the main causes for a nation to return to evil? I said, what is a cause for a nation to return to evil and for God's judgment to fall? The Israels followed the Lord, they were chosen people, but they failed and followed other gods. And when they did that, evil fell upon them, and they had to be restored through God's love of judgment. I recommend that everyone in here get a hold of Rabbi Jonathan Kahn's book, The Return of the Gods. It was the most recent book, The Return of the Gods. And if you don't like to read, you can get the video. And it is excellent, he explains exactly how evil has come back into this country and is destroying us. I even remember the place where he talks about in New York City, a bar, a homosexual bar, where this all started and started to grow and to grow throughout the United States. We're not talking about Hollywood, that's a whole other story. But he's talking about this place, I remember the uh, captain and I and a, and a couple of crew members were walking back, two gals with us, flight attendants. And we heard this music, beautiful down Eden, beautiful music coming out of this place. Same place that John coniston is talking about. And we said, oh, we started to walk up to the door and the guy behind us, I think maybe it was an angel. I don't know. He said, no, this isn't your type, guys. Keep going. And we didn't, we kept going. Now, as I read back to Jonathan Cahn about that little incident in that little bar created in New York City, the fall of this nation going the wrong way. There's a lot of other things we can talk about. We can talk about the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. We can talk about taking Bibles and God out of schools. Uh, We can talk about same sex marriage. We got a whole bunch of things that have just exploded now. And now misusing kids that will make our Lord God angry. Yes. And if you don't think so, you better get back into your word and see what God says about that. You know, history also shows us that prosperity and wealth without honor destroys. There is nothing wrong with prosperity. There is nothing wrong with wealth. I wished I had all the wealth in the world. I wished I had all the prosperity. Would I then use it for God's honor and glory? That's the question. I'm being challenged right now because I have a situation to come up maybe just that way. And I pray, Lord, I'll use it for your honor and for your glory. I pray that. J.C. Penny, 90 percent went to back I don't say he went to the church, he went to charities. 90 percent of his income. He lived on 10 percent. If you' if you're, if you're a billionaire, don't you think you could live on 10 percent of your money? Mm-hmm. Or do you have to have three homes, two cars? Three cars, two airplanes. I mean, one airplane is enough. I used to be a pilot. I mean, I can get around with one airplane and do me a lot of good. Do I need to have two or three? No. There's nothing wrong with owning nice cars. There's nothing wrong with having a nice home, a beautiful place for your family, which gets me into another thing, the destruction of the family. How many families, I can't ask this group because I know this group here, our staff, But let me ask you, how many families do you know that spend at least one night a week totally with family? No phones, no no television, but just spend time with family. I remember when Dr. Hans and I were in Israel, we went to a Shabbat, a Jewish Shabbat, not a Christian Shabbat, but a Jewish Shabbat. And I remember Pastor took out his phone and the gal at the house put that away. This is Shabbat. And pastor was very, you know, put it away. When I was younger, my daughter invited a girlfriend over, and we were eating dinner. And after that she made a comment, she says, do you do this all the time? She says, I have never, well, I shouldn't say never, I hardly ever eat dinner with my family. Serious questions, why is a family breaking down? We need to get back to family. God created family, man, woman, to create children, to have family, to be blessed. Multiply and take dominion. God honors His people who worship Him in truth and obey His commandments. It's getting back to the if-then. You take a look, I probably have a little bit of time, Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 20. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping the commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I have commanded this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built godly houses and dwelt therein, when the herds and thy flocks multiply, thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, that your wealth, and all that is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, lest thou forget The Lord thy God, watch your heart, guard your heart. Don't let things of this world take over your heart. In verse 17, and thou say in thy heart, my power and my might and my hands have gotten me this wealth. It's me, myself, and I that's done this. No, God gave you the ability to use it, and you're misusing it. So all you wealthy people out there, take this verse seriously. Are you using the gift God gave you to make money for His honor and for His glory? And there's many pastors out there that are very, very wealthy, have a lot of things. Are you doing it for your own glory? Are you doing it for the Lord? I'm serious. I work with a ministry where I know the guy, the head of this ministry, gives everything back to the Lord, lives very, very frugally. He loves the Lord and he wants the best. And we're getting attacked by the enemy, no way, shape or form. But once again, and thou sayest in thine heart, my power and my might of my hand has gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that's given thee the power to get wealth, and he may establish his covenant with you. And verse 20, and as the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall he perish, you perish, because you have not been obedient to the voice of the Lord. Obedience. We as parents try to teach our children obedience. God tries to teach us obedience too. Are we willing to accept that obedience? The America that we know was founded on biblical principles. Matter of fact, the Ten Commandments were on the walls of Congress, the Ten Commandments are on the Supreme Court. They have to look at it every day out when the judges look back at the door. They've got to see it. And that is, if you want to see about writing the law on the doors, if you go to Deuteronomy 6, 9, or Deuteronomy 11, 20, it talks about writing on the doors. What the Lord did to Israel, He can do to America. I've got to close this quick. Deuteronomy 9, 3 through 5, God hates wickedness, not only hates it, but abhors it, and destroys the nations involved in wickedness. There's four judgments that bring judgment upon America. And we've heard this in this ministry, idolatry, Immorality, killing of the innocent, and dividing the land of Israel. Also, I need you to go to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. That's 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9, and ask the question Is not this the culture of America? We do not resist the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And this one here America must wake up, not woke up. It's time to wake and not woke interesting that one vowel one vowel a and o can change things what is your idol is it your occupation your career your house your children your smartphone sports tv food government we are blessed to be living in a in born and raised in a christian nation which now i believe is very pagan an idol is anything that is more important than jesus christ in your life anything that is driven by evil spirits. The warning of World Ministries message has been from the beginning, in 1990. Dr. Hansen is still warning, if we do not heed the prophetic warning, judgment will fall on America. Ask yourself, do you want judgment to fall upon America? Go to our website and sign up for Dr. Hansen's Eagle Saving Nations. Go to the website, www.worldministries.org. I thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you.
1: Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years, yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business, or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the independence program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training. And if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5%
2: discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us. Because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629-629. 5248 and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too okay so one more time 3606295248 thank you and god bless